Hey, good morning, church family. Uh, my name is Brian. It's good to be with you today on week two of this series called Phases. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. And we're, we're trying to do three big things through the course of this six-week series. Uh, first is we want to encourage people in every phase of life, regardless of the phase of life in which they find themselves. But second, it's not just all about talking to people who are in that phase, because we want to inspire and equip the entire church to love people in that phase and in every phase of life. And then the third thing that we want to do is we want to align the entire church with our children's ministry and youth ministry and with our parents. So you can kind of picture of how are we trying to help children grow into teens, grow into young adults, grow into uh, in middle age and senior adults who are all loving Jesus and we're all in this big boat and we want to make sure that we're all rowing at the same time, not one person with an oar and the other with a plastic spoon. We're all kind of working together on this. And so uh, those are the three big goals we have as we work through this. And uh, today we're beginning, as you would think that we should chronologically, talking about the phase of childhood. And I'm super excited about what this means because we're going to be sharing some things that are really important for families and for all of us as we think about how this church loves children and encourages children to follow Jesus. So the makers of Barbie doll, they spend $600 million a year in advertising to try to win the hearts of little girls. And if you just kind of began to think about, okay, well, what about uh, the makers of sports equipment and musical instruments and all of these things, and what do they want from your child? They want your child to love that thing, and that's not all bad, but it begins to get a little overwhelming when you think about how many people and entities and businesses are all competing for the hearts of our children. And what we most desire as a church family is for our children in their hearts to say, I walk with Jesus. I will follow Jesus all the days of my life. We introduced this idea of the marbles last week, that there's 936 marbles that we began with in here. And um, if each marble represents one week, then you've got 936 of these things that Week goes by and you move one. Week goes by, you move one. After 936 weeks, your child has gone from being born to graduating high school. 936 doesn't seem like very many when you think about it that way. And so children are in this phase, and we don't want to miss it. There's too much at stake. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's our key passage for this morning and it's kind of an easy one to pick for this morning because it's so important. You have God speaking through Moses, and he's really just saying, if you want to be my people, here's what you do. And let me start with this. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. So God is saying, here's, here's what I most want you to do. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'm going to begin in verse 4. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Sounds like a song we just sang. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. 
impress them. So press them in, make a mold into your children with these commands. When I talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, don't miss it. Don't miss any opportunity to teach your children to love God. Verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It's interesting that, tragic, that sometimes it's in the best of times that when we, that's when we actually forget God. And we actually think, oh, everything's going so well. I must deserve all of this in my life. And we begin to worship ourselves rather than to depend upon God. In the book of Joshua, this is lived out. We don't have time to get into all of that, but if you look through the book of Joshua, this actually happens because the text tells us that the generation of Joshua followed after God, but then as the next generation turned and one after, that the people knew nothing of God. They all did their own things. They did whatever he pleased in his own heart. And so we see that happening. It's the temptation not only in the individual life, to say, I will follow Jesus, and if we're not careful to begin to walk away from Jesus, but in the whole church or in the whole people of God, in the whole community, to begin to walk away from God. And God knew that that would be a danger. My friend, Leron West, uh, I got to hear this summer preaching a sermon about family, and he was talking about how, um, how children are in this moment, in this phase of life, that is so important. And he said this, what's at stake is the heart and souls of our youth. You are in a war and it's in your home. There's a spiritual war happening in your home because it's not just the manufacturers of Barbie doll, which can be good or bad. It's the enemy himself who desires to win the hearts of your children, to lead them astray in rebellion against God not just in this phase, but in every phase of their lives. So what we're talking about here is big stuff. It's eternal stuff. And so this morning, we want to ask a simple question. What does every child need in order to walk with God? Because the answer to this question involves parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and children's ministry volunteers and the entire church family. So what does every child need in order to walk with God? And here to help us answer, please welcome our children's director, Michelle Warden. Come on up, Michelle. As we practiced this, you guys clapped a lot longer, and we had to keep telling you to sit down and, and um, let no, her speak. So, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, I did that, yeah. and she was just embarrassed when we practiced He's, he's um, embarrassing. But I, I really am thankful that you can be here because I think that you can speak into this as well as anybody, just kind of centering your whole life on how do we help children uh, walk with God. So I've asked you that. Let me just ask you, Michelle, what does every child need in order to walk with God? Every child needs cars. 
Cars. Cars. All right, you're going to have to maybe explain <laughs> that just a little bit more. We're a little confused here. So it actually means something. Um, the first thing that it means is every child needs consistency. Um, when I actually, I grew up here at Highland Park, um, and so when I was a child in the children's ministry here, um, I had a Bible class teacher in third grade named Miss Regina. She was there every single Sunday, and she taught me all about the Bible and how to study it and how to love it, and in fact, it was that year that I was baptized myself, and so that consistency in my life, I think, laid some foundation for me. Yeah, in your bulletins, there's a sermon page if you want to take notes and write along. So that C is for consistency. And it's important for every aspect of life. I mean, this isn't rocket science here. If you want to have healthy finances, you have to be consistent in how you manage your money, right? You can't blow it all in one weekend and then make up for it the next day. There needs to be some consistency. If you want to be healthier, there has to be some consistent eating and exercise patterns in life, right? There's all of these kind of rules for how consistency just plays out in reality, but God established some consistencies for the church. You know, no matter what's happening in our world, we come here and we consistently sing praises to God. We consistently preach from God's word. We consistently take the Lord's Supper. We consistently have fellowship with one another and are praying for one another. There's these consistent traditions that help us kind of return to the center of how God made us to be, and they're all really important. Um, I, I think wise homes understand this as well and establish some consistencies in their home, uh, some reading the Bible and some praying. And uh, I, Maybe you've been with me, but there's been times in my life that I've wondered, is, is praying before a meal really important, or is it just like another thing that we do without thinking about it? And I was really impacted by a quote that I read from an author named Brian Jones who said that prayer before dinner takes it from snack time to sacred time. And that really helped me think about that, okay, we're eating this meal together, but we're sharing this meal together. And it may be with my biological family, or it may be with friends, maybe with neighbors or a small group or whoever, but when we pray, then we're reminded that this is a holy moment, that we share this time together that God loves us and we're, we have that in common, that we are following Jesus together. And so I think these consistencies are really important in family life and in, in church life. So um, kids need that consistency in their home. Yeah, and we desire every child to find that consistency and um, in being loved here at Highland Park, especially in the children's ministry. Um, a consistent family plays an important role, and we also know that sometimes situations and circumstances don't allow for that. But when it is in your control, consistency is super key. Um, we believe that a foundation um, of biblical understanding is essential to making good choices later in life. Um, so we owe it to our kids to attend on a consistent basis, um, invest that time now, because um, it's going to pay off for the rest of their lives. Um, we have 52 uh, weekends in a child's life to invest and um, to lay down that biblical foundation. So if you attend church um, once every three weeks, which is roughly one to two times a month, uh, your child is missing 67% of foundational Bible teaching. If you only attend once a month, they're missing 75%. It's a pretty staggering statistic there. Yeah, so the first thing is consistency that a child, every child needs. And the second thing, what is that? Authenticity. 
And a good definition of authenticity is true to the original, the real deal. James, the book of James talks a lot about this. Remember in James 2 where um, God says, faith without works is dead. In other words, be authentic. What you say, live it out. And it doesn't mean that everybody lives a perfect life. None of us do that. But if a child continually hears something from an adult in their life, but continually sees something completely different, that can do deep damage to the spiritual life of a child, to the emotional well-being, to the physical well-being of a child. And I know for a fact that there are a number of you here today that you had to overcome a lot of obstacles in your life. And some of those obstacles were placed there by adults who said one thing but lived a completely different thing. That puts lots of spiritual obstacles in front of kids. And some of you, I'm thankful that God had the grace in your life to help you move through those, but it was difficult. And so uh, we just want to be really thoughtful in, is my life true to what I say I want it to be, to how God wants my life to be? So how did you see, like, I think you had told me a story about how you saw, like, authenticity in your life kind of growing up in the family. Yeah, so um, I was raised in a pretty typical normal Christian home. We prayed, we did Bible study, went to church. Um, but I really started to take notice of the authenticity in my family's life as I got older, through middle school and high school. Um, I saw that through how my mom treats people at Happy Hands, how she treats them with dignity and respect and love, how she's always the first to give and last to receive. I also saw it through my dad, um, how he treated people here at the church as an elder, and how he treats his students at Jinx. Um, there's this one instance that I remembered of um, my dad had a student, I was probably in middle school, um, who had gone through a really rough time. He'd lost both parents, and my parents just opened up their home to him without question and just showed him God's love. That's how I saw the authenticity in my parents growing up. Yeah, okay, so uh, repeat these first two things after me. Consistency. Consistency. Authenticity. Authenticity. All right, and so, Michelle, what's the third thing? The third thing is right priorities. Yeah, one day, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And if you go back to the Old Testament, there's 613 rules you could count in the Old Testament. People have done that. And the Pharisees especially kind of like to count all those up. And that can be a little overbearing, but you could really take those 613 and combine them down to 10 commandments, the 10 commandments. But if you wanted to, then you could take those 10 commandments and really uh, summarize them as Jesus did when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. There's these, and he says, these two kind of encompass, they wrap up, they summarize the entire law and prophets. Love God, love others. And so when we think about priorities, we just have to ask this, Do, does my life reflect the priorities that God has in mind for me. That the first priority is to love God, and the second priority is to love other people. Because there's lots of other things that we can begin to love more than God and more than other people. You know, there, we can certainly begin loving money or academics or friendships or sports teams or dating relationships or our own reputation. And sometimes even our own idea of family can become an idol and begin to rival uh, what should be left alone for God. There's an author named Bob Goff who says this. He says, the battle for your hearts 
is fought on the pages of your calendar. In other words, show me your calendar, not even just what you have scheduled ahead of time, but take a look back over the last week, the last month, the last year. If you, if you look at that, what does that reflect about your heart? And, and I think our kids pick up on what is important in my family based on how do we spend our time? What do we do? What do our days and weeks look like? Does it look like we're loving God and loving other people in the name of Jesus a lot? And um, the person in need, the neighbor, uh, caring for people, the kid from school, all of that stuff matters. And kids are watching of, do my parents really have right priorities? Do the adults in my life really have right priorities? Yeah, and I'd want to ask you this. Um, when the kids from this church see your life, whether you're a mom, a dad, an aunt, an uncle, or a friend, or someone they know from church, um, do they know that God is the first priority in your life, or do they assume it's something else? Yeah, and our prayer would be that if we love God and then we love others, everything else kind of can begin to fall into place. If we have those two out of whack, if we have something else out there, everything is probably, probably jumbled. And so perhaps one of the takeaways from today is to go home and just maybe reevaluate the calendar, uh, how you're spending money, what you're giving your greatest effort and energy to. And I know that there's responsibilities in life, but to just do a little bit of a heart check on your priorities. Okay, so repeat after me. Consistency. Consistency. Authenticity. Right priorities. right priorities. And what does the S stand for? S stands for spiritual adults, which is more than just the family. Parents should be the primary influence in a child's life, um, but they should not be the only influence in a child's life. Um, research and experts and statistics show um, that um, kids who have other um, committed spiritual adults in their lives have better odds at winning um, Preschoolers and toddlers, they need a consistent adult because they are terrified of unfamiliar faces. Um, elementary age kids, they need consistent adults because they will tell literally anything to a stranger. <laughs> so they need consistent adults. Babies, toddlers, preschoolers, they're all motivated by safety. This is the phase when they need committed adults um, to embrace their physical needs so that they can know God's love um, and see and meet God's family. So they're asking questions like, am I safe here? Am I able to do that? Am I okay? So they need those consistent spiritual adults to come behind them and reassure them of that. Elementary schoolers are motivated by fun. And this is the phase when they need committed adults to engage their interests so that they learn to trust God's character and so that they begin to experience God's family. Um, this is when they're asking questions like, do I have your attention? Do I have what it takes? Do I have friends here? So this is the phase when they really need those committed um, spiritual adults in their lives to take an interest in them. This is some of the language that we want to begin using as families, as children's ministry, youth ministry, and as an entire church. And there's a parent uh, training day coming up in a few weeks that we really want all of our parents to be at. We want you to bring friends to them, but um, we don't have time to take a deep dive into all of this, but if you, if you caught those words, like we want to start saying the same words that, that toddlers need embraced, that grade school kids need engaged. Even using some of that same vocabulary 
will help us say, well, here's why we did this at church. And parents, here's why you need to really think about this. Are you engaging your kids' interests and showing uh, interest in what they care about? Uh, just a couple weeks ago, actually, we were crazy enough to go to the grand opening of the gathering place, knowing that it might be the busiest day the park ever sees in its history, and it was certainly very busy, but as I think it turns out, maybe there's just going to be a lot of days like that. But it was really busy, but we had a great time. It was super fun, and it was amazing to be there and to see just multitudes of people there. And we went to one of the big playground areas that had like these big forts you climb in, and you can slide down. And I went up with my daughter. I about got stuck several times. Some of it's a little more kid-friendly than adult-friendly. And... Um, uh, and so we had, a, we had a good time, but we had come down a slide, and then she came down a slide, and we were getting ready to walk off, and we saw, um, actually one of my kids saw a little girl who was crying by herself, and she was maybe two or three. She was little. And so um, I, I said, um, Art, do you need some help? And she just, her eyes got even more scared and backed away because she did not know the stranger guy. Um, and, and I said, we're going to get a security person to help you or a police officer to help you. And I saw somebody over here who was in uniform, and we were able to, to, to get them connected, and they were able to find her family and such, and it was all okay. But it was this reminder of it's difficult to help children, especially emotionally and spiritually, if they don't know you because they don't trust you. Now, if I got to know that girl and her family, probably within a day, you know, she would be glad to, like, climb up and go down a slide and feel comfortable. But without that knowing, then kids just don't trust. And Michelle and I were talking about how, how there's a story in Luke of when Jesus is 12 and his family takes this big trip to Jerusalem with lots of people they would have known. And it gets time for them to leave. And the text says they travel for an entire day before Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus is not with them. Now, I've had some panic moments as a parent, but never like that. I mean, usually you'll notice within a couple hours or so, you know. But they've traveled for a day, and they're like, um, he's not here. So then the panic sets in. And, you know, they find Jesus teaching at the temple and all of that. But you have to ask the question, like, how could you travel for a day? And the answer is because they understood community that Mary and Joseph were the primary parents responsible for raising Jesus, but the whole community pitched in. And so it was an assumption that, well, Jesus is over with the Johnsons, walking with them and probably throwing rocks with the other kids, um, and, and it's all good. And so there, there was that assumption, but there's actually, even though that story takes a strange twist, there's something really healthy about that culture, and we want to have a culture where a parent does not feel alone in raising their children, that they feel like there's this whole community traveling with them that can help them raise their children, that loves their kids and knows their, their kids. And Highland Park has a long tradition of standing in the gap for children who may not have a healthy home life. And we want to nourish families, but there's times where children uh, don't have a healthy situation. And part of what Highland Park does is support uh, organizations like Black Box that helps boys who have been rescued out of trafficking situations. And, and, and we support Mid-India Christian Mission. And one of the things that they do is, is they're actually raising children who have lost parents due to persecution. 
and Cooks and Hills here in Oklahoma where if kids are on like their very last thread of just making it, that they welcome them into this home environment and help the family and help try to restore those children. And so we support lots of those efforts. But sometimes it's just here. I mean, within this church family, there's been adoption and there's been foster care and there's just been lots of, hey, if you need a place to stay, then you can live with our family for a day or a week or a month or a year. That's happened here a number of times and continues to happen here. And we want to be a place that loves children, especially vulnerable children who most need that. But we want to have just this whole sea of adults taking interest in kids. I didn't know, Ian, that you were going to be here today. I was just going to talk behind your back, but now you're going to hear it. So <laughs> Ian's a freshman at Ozark, but he served in our children's ministry for years. And Michelle cried a lot when you left to go off to college. So um, because he was a fantastic volunteer in children's ministry, and he's studying that now in college, and we're, we're thankful. Uh, but one of the things I saw from a distance, I didn't even tell him I saw this, I saw from a distance in the weeks before he left to go to college, I saw him loving and reaching out to different children, whether it was jumping on his trampoline at the house with kids, or whether it was giving something to a kid, whether it was giving a rock to Mallory that Cassie probably found in the washing machine a couple days later. Um, <laughs> Mallory likes rocks. <laughs> and, but that's the kind of intentional care we desire all of our kids to have. We want somebody to give them a rock and to take them to jump on a trampoline just to say, I care for you. I love you. And this whole church community together is caring for you. And so there, there's lots of things that every children needs, these four in particular. But there's one thing that every child needs from you. They actually need you to do this. It's an action point for you. They, they may need you to help put a Band-Aid on their knee or to help them when they're sick or to teach a Bible class lesson to them. But the one thing before any of that matters that they need you to do is what, Michelle? Well, it's pretty simple. Every kid needs for you to show up. That's it. Every child deserves a champion, an adult, who will never give up on them and understands the power of the connection that they have and insists that that child can become the best that they can be. There are more changes in the first couple years of a child's life than any other time. Their brain develops so much. And that means that the world of a baby and a toddler and a preschooler is super unstable. I mean, you can look at my two-year-old as an example. She can go from this happy, joyful, giddy kid to like this grumpy troll in need of a nap <laughs> in like a matter of seconds. And <laughs> it's, so it's no wonder that they need um, consistent adults to step in and create some stability for them. So the best thing that you can give any kid is a familiar face. Every child is made in the image of God to love God with all their heart, soul, and strength and trust Jesus so that they can have a better future. So we have to be reminded it's not babysitting. It's a relationship. It's not pizza or goldfish. It's discipleship. It's not a party. It's a platform. And it's not filling a volunteer slot it's influencing someone's future. So I want to just help our church family understand a little bit because we've you know, had some program shifts here in the last few weeks, and I know that you are, are super pumped about super them pumped. and excited, but <laughs> just you know, the average person who doesn't have kids 
probably hasn't quite figured out exactly what all is happening and how we're discipling kids right now with the program. So can you just kind of walk them through that? Yeah, so on, e on any given Sunday, um, nursery through fifth graders are going to have a large group and a small group time. Um, so actually right now your kids are down in small group time with their um, very consistent, loving adult leaders that are getting to know them better um, and forming that relationship better. So they'll go through large group time where they'll get that worship and communion and um, Bible story and they'll learn the theme for the day and they're learning what we're learning. And then they'll go with their small group leader and they'll get to do activities and discussion questions and prayer that just reiterates and helps form those connections with adults and with their peers even better. A couple of the things that we're excited about is that um, previously uh, when we had the 9 o'clock hour, which kind of functioned a lot like a small group time would because it was Bible teaching and prayer and discussion and getting to know, um, but with that moved into the 10.30 hour, um, what twice as many children get to be part of that now than were with that previously. And so we like that twice as many children are getting to be part of that environment that we really care for. And we also have noticed this consistency within our Wednesday night program called Big Time. We lengthen that a little bit to give some more teaching time to some of the fun stuff that they're doing and learning each week. And so there's been a really good consistency for that. So we've just been really thankful for honestly, for you all, for we know that for when we make these changes, like there's this like, <gasps> you know, what's happening. But what we're seeing is uh, the message of Jesus loves you and wants you to follow him. That is crystal clear. It's the same as it always has been. But this new method is working really well to help communicate that to kids. And so we're really thankful for your support and encouragement in that and being willing to shift gears a little bit. And so church, uh, I just have a question for you. It's this. Will you show up for kids? Will you show up? And will you show up as parents? Will you show up as grandparents and aunts and uncles and friends? Will you show up and volunteer in our children's ministry? Our children's ministry needs a couple more layers of volunteers so that our team isn't run ragged. Everything's covered and healthy and good, but we could use some more people in our children's ministry. We need some, some more people to be interested in, in serving at Hoover Elementary, being a reading buddy and caring for some kid, you know, giving up an hour a week or maybe an hour a month to serve teachers there. Will you show up for kids in your neighborhood uh, who need an adult in their life to care for them and get to get to know their family? We're just asking you, will you show up? And as a real practical follow-up to this is, if, if you feel like God is leading you to somehow show up in the lives of kids through Highland Park Ministry, whether it be here or through Hoover or one of the events that we run here, then just write down children's ministry on your Connect card, and we'll follow up with you and do the training and all of that. doesn't mean we're going to throw you with a whole bunch of fourth graders <laughs> next Sunday. Uh, we wouldn't do that, but um, we do believe and have just been praying for that God would raise up some volunteers even in the midst of this sermon time uh, to help our children's ministry. So one of the things we're going to do every week of this series is to give you an action step, like something that we're going to ask the whole church to do. And not all of them can be done super quickly. Some of them will take a little bit of time, but we're just going to ask everybody to consider saying yes to this action step. So Michelle, I'm going to let you so the tell people what it is. So the action step 
Begin saying hello to one family every single Sunday and acknowledge the children standing next to the parents. Actually acknowledge them before you acknowledge the adults. Um, get to know the parents and the kids as a family. Um, some ways that you can encourage them and get to know them. Um, write the kid an encouraging letter. Um, help pay for camp if they need it. Um, help provide for back-to-school supplies or whatever it might be that God's leading you to do. Um, and just pray about how you can encourage that one specific family every Sunday. Yeah, we, we just think just start by finding the same family every week and just getting to know them and encouraging them. And I can tell you as a parent, I am never, ever, ever offended if you acknowledge my children before you acknowledge me. I'm always just happy. And, and so we want to ask you to, to maybe take this as an action step for us to love not only children, but to love the parents who only got three hours of sleep last <laughs> night and who are running this way and that way and can't find their keys and just, man, I'm not in that phase anymore. My kids are all out of diapers, no more toddlers, and I've already kind of forgotten what it's like to live like that, to live like you're living. <laughs> it's tough, and so we want to just wrap our, our hands and arms around our families with young children. Um, and I... The sermon has been about how we can love children, but none of that even matters. We, we aren't capable of really loving children unless we understand one truth, that Jesus showed up for you. He showed up for you. And because Jesus showed up for you, he can change your heart. He can make you someone that has something to offer to a child or to a parent or to a family, to a brother or a sister. Jesus showed up to you even when it was difficult, even when it was messy, even when you were a frustrating person or rebelling against him, that Jesus shows up to us. And if you come here today feeling like you're not a child of God, feeling unloved or unworthy or like no one has cared for you, then we want to invite you into the arms of Jesus. He showed up for you. He came to this earth, and he lived a perfect life, and he died for your sins. He showed up for you. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day, power over death. That means we have hope for eternity. Jesus showed up for you, and he continually shows up in your life. And he says, come follow me. And so we want to offer that invitation to you this morning. If you would, would you stand up, and I'm going to pray for us. And if you would like to say that you want to follow Jesus with your life, then we welcome you to do that. If, if you need prayer for children in your life, then uh, once this service is over or even during this song, we'd be glad to just privately pray with you here on the front row. Some folks will come forward and be glad to pray with you. If you want to mark on your card that you want to talk to somebody or study with somebody, there's a place to do that. We, we want to help you because Jesus showed up for you. He loves you. And every child needs to know that. Every adult needs to know that. So let's pray. God, we thank you that you showed up for us. And we pray that that would change our lives. It would change our days and weeks and months. It would change every phase of life from children to adult. So God, thank you that you see us as your children. And you, you weep over us. You laugh. You care. And your heart longs for us to just say that we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen.